Can we just begin this time in prayer? Father, we just, we submit ourselves to you right now, Jesus. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come in freedom to be able to worship you. Lord, we don't take that for granted. Lord, we just, we just want to bless your name this morning. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you truly have more for us. Father, I pray that we would indeed lean into your word this morning. Father, let us not lean out. Let us not have lenses that make it hard for your, for your word to get into our heart this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can we all agree? Amen? Amen. Amen. I am preaching about character this morning. I just want to see the graphic that Luke's made. Look at that. I haven't seen it yet. I'm so grateful for Luke. Can we just, Luke is the man. The core of character. This morning, I haven't seen it, so I just wanted to take time to see this myself because it looks good. The core of character. So this morning, I want to get to character, but first, I want to talk about the rugby. So I just, I don't want to call him out, and I don't think he's here, but we do have Crusaders fans that are in our midst. Well, I, I, I'll, oh, sorry, I've seen a couple of them. I've seen them. I think they're sitting further back than they usually do because, yeah. So can we, can we just give it up for the Hurricanes last night? Yeah. I, I had the chance. Carl, Carl was gracious enough to give me some tickets that he had, um, he had won. Um, and so Archer and me, we, we, we tackled the rugby last night, and, and we had a lot of fun. I, I didn't remember how many points a try got you until somebody scored a try, so there were some gaps in my ability to understand what was going on. But we really enjoyed it. Um, we pretended like it was American football for a little bit, but it, it's okay. Um, but this, this morning, what I, what I wanted to talk about is character. But before I do, I always like to start with a story. One of the, th- well, not one of the things. It's hard, it's hard to identify specifically things that are really, really like. And most of you know that have heard, I really, really like Pinnacle Peak. And w- one of the things that's really hard for me right now is that Aaron and Anna McKevitt and Rebecca and Caleb and Emma Davison and John Pringle, about half of our church is in Arizona right now. And so they have the ability to go to Pinnacle Peak if they want to. Now, most of them, I think, are passing that opportunity up, which shows they're godless, but it's okay. But another thing that I absolutely love, and, and you, can, you can, if you don't love it, it's probably because you haven't been there, is Disneyland. My family loves Disneyland. We love everything about Disneyland. We love the food. We love the journey to get there. We love the, the rides. It's just, it's just a fun magical time. We love Disneyland. Um, We would love Disneyland even if we didn't have kids. Me and Angie went to Disneyland many times with no kids. Disneyland is just absolutely our jam. We just enjoy it. It's just so much fun. Um, But but there's definitely a guarantee with Disneyland that you're going to get that is not as enjoyable. And, And you have it here. I experienced it last night at the rugby game. Do you know what happens at halftime? People rush out and it doesn't matter how quickly you're going to get out there. You're going to have a long line to get a Fritz's Wieners, right? It is just, there's a long line to get fries, to get your corn dogs. These, the lines at Disneyland are very long. Who has been to Disneyland? Just, if you've been to Disneyland, we've got a lot of people. How many of you can attest to testimony of faith that there is serious lines in Disneyland? And how many of you also know how much those lines ruin your experience? 
the lines make it, who wants to go and wait in line all day and you go on like two and a half rides and you call it quits after spending 600 bucks on lunch, you know? Like that doesn't sound like a great day. But that is one of the guarantees that comes with Disneyland. I think some of us, many of us, myself, at many times in my life have looked at character in this way. I know that character is a good thing. I know that Disneyland is a good thing. But it's mostly waiting in long lines all day, and it's kind of a drag. But the thing that I want to talk about today is understanding the core of character. And just if, if you know Disneyland, if you go enough times, you start to find out certain things. The first one that we found out, and I promise that we weren't trying to be, um, I'm speaking on character, and this, this story will seem like we don't have character, but I promise that's not the case, okay? So one of, the, one of the magical things that we discovered about Disneyland is that if you are in a wheelchair, you do are able to kind of navigate through a lot of these lines. Angie was very, very sick and very pregnant and had to be in a wheelchair on doctor's orders when we went to Disneyland. And she couldn't go on any of the rides, and I was wondering why we even brought her in the first place. I'm just kidding. I love to be with my wife. But then I realized why we brought her. Because <laughs> when <laughs> those lines... I didn't even know. There's literally... So you, you know when you get into the normal line, like, and there's like 6,000 people, and it just goes forever, right? There's a whole other line that I never even knew about that you're able to get into... And, uh, and, and we, we maximized that. We even had people escorting us from ride to ride. Like, we, 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 we navigated through these lines quite well. And not only that, there's also two magical words when we found it out. These magical words are called single rider. There are single rider tickets. So if you want to go on these lines and you get a single rider ticket, you, there's another line. There's, I don't know how many lines at Disneyland there are, but there's a lot. There's another line that lets you just cut straight to the front. The only key is you don't get to physically sit on the ride next to the people that you go with. So I was trying to convince two-year-old Archer. I'm like, bro, it's fine. You go by yourself. I'll go by myself. You handle your business. I'm handling my business. We don't want to wait in line. He, he wasn't quite tracking with me when we did go when he was two. But, like, he's almost there, folks. Like, let's just give God some praise for that. And so there's another thing that if you spend enough time at Disneyland that you understand there's another way to navigate these lines, and it's called Fast Pass. So what you do is you just have to go to the ride at a certain time, and you put in your ticket, and it gives you a certain time frame. If you come back at this time, you don't have to wait in the long line. It's one of the most wonderful things because you can walk with so much confidence up to the ride when it's your time, and you know there's already people waiting in the long line, and it's made even longer because of this Fast Pass that you get to go in front of everyone. But here, here's the point of this, and here what we're going to unpack this morning. It's once you understand the core of something, once you understand better what it really is, Disneyland can change from being a day of waiting in lines to being something truly magical. And as we're looking at character this morning, once you understand the core of character, it's not going to be something that's just a nice thing to do to, but you just see it's kind of like a nice add-on. We're going to see how powerful and how essential character is when we understand its core. This morning, I want to, I want to look at this through two passages of Scripture. We're going to read the first, the, the prodigal son found in Luke. And then we're going to interpret or 
or see this, this passage that Jesus shares through the lens of Psalm 15. So if you want to bookmark both of those, you can. But I just, I'd love to read out Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son, verse 11. But I'm just going to read verses 1 and 2 for context. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Skipping forward to verse 11, where Jesus now shares this story in front of all these tax collectors, sinners, and scribes, and Pharisees, and his disciples. This is what Jesus said, telling the story. And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the older brother was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, I love that, when this son of yours came, Who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, this is the father saying to the older son, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. It's a powerful passage of Scripture, and there's so many ways that you can look at this and find um, life and good things, and it's, I think it's important to read it out. But I want to come back to this very loving family in a moment. And I first just want to look at what character is. The definition of character in, in our normal dictionaries is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. I think that's important to, to just pause Because I think one of the things that we can do when looking at character is I think we we think we might get a free pass if we're Christian. 
that our character is, and we all know that we're the righteousness of Christ, and that's not what this message is about. But what I want to submit is that your character is distinctive to you as an individual. Your character doesn't get to be translated because your wife has good character or because you go to a church that has good character. That doesn't automatically get to be put on you. What am I saying? I'm saying that your character is something that you have to walk out. It is distinctive to you. It is specific to you. Some synonyms, I'm talking cinnamon. One of the things that I've seen Rebecca Pringle specifically continue to keep posting on her Instagram is these Cinnabon rolls. If you've had a Cinnabon roll, you're going to know what I'm talking about and why cinnamon's on my brain. Synonyms of character are this. Personality, nature, disposition, temperament, temper, mentality, constitution, your makeup, your make, your mold, your cast. Character is the very stuff that you are made of. Character is what makes you up. It's literally what you're composed of. I love Stephen Covey in his book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about the good qualities of character that we all aspire to. Things like integrity, humility, fidelity, temperance, courage, justice, patience, industry, simplicity, modesty, and the golden rule. What's the point that I'm wanting to just kind of illustrate before we jump into this story? It's this. That if character is the stuff that we are literally made of, then character is primary and your task is secondary. Character is primary and your task is secondary. God is more interested in who you are. Hear this this morning. He is more interested in who you are and not what you do. Because who you are determines what you do and how you do it. God is more interested in who you are and not what you do. Because who you are determines what you do and how you do it. I love this quote. It's by Emerson. He says this, What you are shouts so loudly in my ears that I cannot hear what you say. just want to say that again. What you are shouts so loudly in my ears that I cannot hear what you say. So this morning... Looking at this lens of character being what we are made of, we want to understand what the core of character is. So let's look at the first son. The first son, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. Who resonates with the first son? You know, me, you know, don't have to do that. I'm not saying you're squandering your father's inheritance. But there's something about the first son that I think is actually really easy to walk into. If, if I can be so bold, I think that he sees through this whole character thing. I think he was raised in this millennial generation, which I'm a part of. I'm not going to excuse myself from that. But they understand that God's grace is huge. I think he understands the grace of God. I think he's in a place where, you know, the the words I have in my, my notes is YOLO. Do we know what YOLO means? You only live once. There's something that he understands He was raised with this father. This father seems pretty wise. Can we all pretty much say that he probably had a pretty good um, upbringing, that the father probably showed him the way that he should go, that the father probably loved him appropriately and, and walked and talked and had some Lion King Mufasa moments with him, raising his son up? But I think the younger son sees through it and recognizes, I get that character is important. I, I get those things are, are valuable. But listen, you only live once. I, I feel that I'm covered by grace. Come on, I, I need this opportunity. 
It's, it's something that I think, just like he possibly viewed, like in the Disneyland story, that he knows it's a good thing, but come on, it's waiting in line all day. And he's got an inheritance, and there's, there's fun to be had. There's things to do. I, I honestly think many of us fall into this category where we understand that character is a good thing, but the problem is we don't understand the core of character, and as such, we get stuck into this younger son mentality where even though we understand it, we choose not to go there. It's too easy to be like this younger son. It's, God, I know I should probably go to church in the morning, but the rugby's on tonight. It's a good game. Hurricanes won 29-19 against the Crusaders. It was a good game. Mine and Archer's favorite play was the breakaway try down that left-hand side of the, well, from we were, I guess left depends on where you are. It was a beautiful try. Or God, I know you are real, but I'm going to follow you one day. God, I know probably, I sh- God, I will get right with you one day. I will start doing things right one day, but not today. It's not as convenient for me right now. But, but hear this, and this is where I want to go. The truly cutting thing that the son severed was not taking his inheritance. Because the father gave it willingly. Do you notice that the father didn't put up a fight when he gave his inheritance? He gave the inheritance with a smile. But the truly cutting thing that the son severed was relationship with the father. The truly cutting thing was relationship with the father. He went to a far off country, far away from his dad. And not only that, it's not the squandering of money that's the issue. It's that the money his father had worked so hard for all his life to pass on. It was not honored by the son. Character is understanding that what has been done for you and honoring that, stewarding that well. Character is understanding what has been done for you and honoring and stewarding that well. The younger son, his lack of character is on full view for all of us to see. I think the younger son gets a bad rap, and I think the older son can sometimes avoid some of that, but I want to look at the older son as well. I think it's too easy as well, just as it is, just as it is to be stuck in this younger son mentality. I think it's just as easy, especially for those of us that have been around for a little while, to be stuck into the older son mentality. It is so easy. Those of you that know the story well know that this older son represents the Pharisees and the scribes that Jesus was speaking to. Now, I think one could make the argument that these Pharisees could be considered kings of character. I think if there wasn't a rule in place, they would establish a rule so that they could then follow that rule. Like these, these Pharisees knew the rules. They knew how to do the right thing. They knew how to step into the right thing. These guys were good and they knew it. But I just, I want us to examine and not let this Pharisee older, this, this representation of the Pharisees or this older son mentality, I don't want it to stay in the story. I want you to examine yourself. And think about where you are in your own faith journey. I think I've literally heard the words. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I've heard every message there is to hear. I I know every Bible story there is to hear. 
my goodness, we cannot get into that mentality. There is always more in Jesus. There is always more in Jesus. Can I? You don't know it all. You haven't experienced it all. And I love you, and there's so much wisdom and grace in here, but you don't know it all. You haven't seen it all. You haven't experienced it all. There is more for your life. But it is, it's too easy when you've been maybe a Christian for a long time that you have heard a lot of messages, and it does feel like that. But we have to start paying attention when our focus starts to become to see, is everyone else following these rules? Because the rules weren't made for you to make sure everyone else is following them. We're going to talk more about this in a little bit. So when his rule-breaking brother returns and is greeted with correct, not with correction and discipline, but with joy, this man gets angry. He refuses to join the party. He makes a scene that would make any reality TV show proud. He, he stops the party. His dad, who's hosting the party, what? He leaves the party, and he comes out to his son, who's like, he's mad. <laughs> I just try and picture, like, how far away was he? You know what I mean? Like, he sees the music and the lights, but was it 20 feet or 30 feet? He was making a scene, and his dad comes out to him. And you know he's upset, and I mentioned it before, when, he, when, the, when the brother says, when that son of yours, it's not his brother. It's like, you know you're in trouble. It's like, your son did this. Like, hey, he's not my son. Angie, Angie will pull me up on that. I'm like, you know what your son Archer did? She's like, he's not my son. When that son of yours, that's what, the, that's what the brother's leading with. He is mad. He's fighting mad. And he's so put out that the father entreats him. I just looked up the word entreat. Entreat is to ask someone earnestly or anxiously to do something. The father is, is not... The father does not have a hard heart towards the older son. The father is is entreating him. He's asking him. He's pleading with him. Come and join us. Come join the festivities. But he says something so poignant. He says, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. All that is mine is yours. We see the older son's heart revealed here. And I think, and many of you may be wiser than I, and and so you've just internalized this in the story, but I always saw the two sons as different. I don't see them different anymore. I see the two sons as the same. He actually wanted the same thing that his brother did. And I think this was a powerful revelation to me. He wanted his father's wealth. He wanted what was his inheritance. He wanted the fattened calf. Both sons had the same problem. They valued, and listen to this, lean into this, they valued their inheritance more than the father. Both sons had the same problem. They valued their inheritance more than the father. Their character happened to be the same, even though it looked very different on the outside. Because neither, neither of these brothers understood the core of character. They both viewed, they both had such a shallow understanding of what character was. They still think that character is standing in line at Disneyland all day. They both thought they had it figured out. One thought, he saw through character. He saw that 
actually in character, that's not exactly what I, what I want from my life. I don't need all of that. That's just rules. Come on. God, God came to save us. He loves us. Do I really have to follow all those rules? That's Old Testament. What are you talking about? No, I, I want to go YOLO. You only live once. He thought he saw through character. The older brother, he thought he understood character as well. He did everything right. When he pleads to his father, he said, I did nothing wrong. I've never disobeyed you. I've always been with you. Why haven't I gotten those things? Both of them did not understand the core of what character is. I want to read out Psalm 15, or at least the beginning part of Psalm 15 in a moment here. But I just want you, I don't know if you listen best, if you close your ears or if you read and just try and block out my voice. Whatever it is that helps, I want to look at the lens of character through this psalm. And I want to look at how it impacted both of these brothers' lives. Psalm 15, verse 1. It's a psalm of our good friend David. David says this, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live? On your holy mountain, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. I I bolded that for later study. Even when it hurts. And does not change their mind. Who lends money to the poor without interest. Who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. This psalm reveals two two very, very powerful promises. And reveals an insight into the core of character. For those who understand true character. For who understand the core of character. I think... The reality is this, is that many of us are phenomenal people of character when it's easy. Many of us are, it's no problem to do what's right when everyone around you is doing what's right. It's no problem to do what's right when like that's just the thing that's happening. But it is a whole other thing when pressure, when when character is truly revealed is when pressure is applied. When everything is messing up. And I'm not saying like it's a bad day and and the cat threw up on the carpet. Like, I'm saying, like, I mean, that's a bad thing. Lord knows nobody wants that. But when things don't go right, when things are not doing what they should be doing, that is when character is revealed. And we could look at the brothers and see that when their character was showed, when, when pressure was applied, but I'm not going there this morning. But that is when true character is revealed under pressure. But it is interesting to see that both brothers did not understand either of these promises connected to the core of character. And we're going to get to them in a second. Both of them thought that they had character figured out. And as such, and hear this, neither brother had the benefit of either of these promises. I think it's so important. Because understanding the core of character allows you to experience the benefits of what real character brings. But the lack of character that both of these brothers were walking in made it so that neither of them had the benefit of the promises that comes with walking in character and understanding the core of it. The first promise is so powerful. David opens up the psalm with this promise. He says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent and who may live on your holy mountain? And he then goes on to list 
a whole range of things around what character is. Those whose walk is blameless, who's righteous, speaks truth, etc. What is the core of character? The core of character is this. That when we understand that sin separates us from God, we no longer see sin as rules to follow or brownie points to win. But sin is something that drives a wedge in between us and the Father. This is such an important concept to understand. The rules are not there so that you can have rules to follow. Character is not something that's really nice. It's not a nice add-on. Character is there to allow you to have relationship with the Father. And sin, when we go against his precepts, when we go against his word, regardless if it's for a great reason or not, drives a wedge between us and the Father. We see the shallow understanding of character reflected in each of these brothers' relationships with the Father. Do you notice how neither brother values the Father? Neither brother values being with the Father. Both brothers are more interested in the things that they can get or what they're missing out on. Hear this. Character is knowing that the rules are not there for the sake of following them, but they are there to draw you closer to the Father. To draw you closer to the Father. The promise that you get with embracing the core of character is not just to be with the Father momentarily, but what is this promise? But to live with Him. You know, I, got, I busted out my big concordances for the study, and I had them on my desk to make it look like I was really studying well, but I actually got some good stuff from it too. didn't just look impressive. Do you know one of the things that the commentary states on, on this, specific, um, this specific turn of words or this phrase that David says, to dwell in your sacred tent, to dwell on his holy mountain? This represents, because how many of you know God is with us? Like, you can't get away from him. You, you can do anything you want, and he's, he's going to be with you. You can't get away from God. I just want to give you that reassurance. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. That's not what we're talking about right now. This phrase, dwelling on his holy mountain in his sacred tent, it says this in the commentary. This reflects, or this means, or this represents being especially close to God. I thought that was such a beautiful phrase. I, when, when, I, when I read this, there was something in my spirit that soared. That at the core of character, at the core of understanding the heart of the Father, there is a promise that says he will be especially close to you. And not temporarily especially close. That you may dwell with him. That you may, you may live with him especially close to you. Does not that make your spirit soar when you understand, because how many of you know that life can be so hard? It can be so brutal. It can be tough, and it can be wonderful. But I know that I don't want to walk. I don't want to walk in my days if he's not especially close to me, because it's too hard. I can't do it on my own. I need him. I love the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Notice, I used to love the I can do all things part. It's the through Christ who strengthens me that I didn't quite understand. I'm like, I can do all things, Jesus. I love people that get that tattooed on them or that's their favorite part. The favorite part should be through Christ who strengthens you. And you can't be strengthened if you're not especially close to him. If you're far off, if you're like that older, older brother and you're separating yourself from the Father, 
I don't know if it's 30 feet. I don't know if it's 40 feet. I don't know if it's 50 feet. You're throwing a fit. And you don't want to be in there. But we don't, what we don't realize is that it's driving a wedge between us and the Father. When God is especially present with his people. People who understand the core of character understand it is more than a set of rules to get a good grade for following. Either disdainfully or otherwise. It is, in fact, a way to draw even closer to the presence of God. The core of character then is directly aligned with intimacy with God. The second, the second promise is this. I'll just check the time because I don't trust that clock. I promise I'm going to wrap it up soon. The second promise is at the end of this passage of Scripture. It is interesting to note that both brothers again fail to receive the benefit of this promise, further revealing their lack of connection to the core of character together. More surprising, I think, to me, because when you think about, man, like, this brother's done the hard yards, the older brother, like, give him at least something, but he completely misses it in the same way that his younger brother does. So it's especially interesting that this brother misses it, the older brother. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. That's how this this little passage of Scripture concludes. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. We talked a little bit in in the series on hope that it is impossible for God to lie. And when we look through the lens, knowing that it is impossible for God, for he can't lie, I want to pay attention because how many of you know it's pretty easy to get shaken in this life? And I'm not talking about when something nice or something manageable comes along that you can handle in your own strength. In this world, we have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you are not especially close to God, you will be shaken. But this promise that says, if I understand the core and embrace this core of character, that I will never be shaken. How many of you want to claim that promise today? We don't, we don't claim this promise with lack of action. We claim this promise with understanding that walking in the core of character, even when it hurts, that is when you will never be shaken. The younger brother gets shaken so bad he finds himself in with the pigs. And the commentary goes on to say how detestable that would have been for him having been raised in a Jewish family. He was, he was shaken to his core. The older brother gets so shaken that he causes a scene that would make, like I said, any reality TV show proud. But your character is directly aligned with you not being able to be shaken. Just, just, the, just a quick pause. One of the things I was thinking is it's so easy to see characters that's just waiting in lines all day. We don't actually see, A, that it's going to be intimacy with the Father, but I'm not connected to, by me making a right decision today, that I'm not going to be shaken in three years' time. It's hard to be connected to that. But this is the thing that I believe the Holy Spirit put on my heart so strongly, that your character is truly this gate that will help you never to be shaken. My heart you understood is my heart breaks when there's there's things that bring pain I understand what that's like one of the things why this word is so strong in my heart this morning is because I'm wanting to avert unnecessary pain for some folks this morning 
Because I can promise you in life there will be things that shake you to your core, but you will not be shaken if you walk and understand the core of character. When you are in his presence, you will not be shaken. It's a hand-in-hand thing. It's not separate from one another. As you walk in character, you get to dwell with him especially close. When you're especially close with him, it's impossible for you to be shaken regardless of what happens. This, for me, was a finding out about wheelchairs at Disneyland moment. This, for me, was that single rider moment. That as I begin to understand more about what the core of character is, it's not brownie points for you. Can I tell you that God is not high-fiving you when you don't lie? He's not high-fiving his angels. He's saying, no, you're setting yourself up so I can be close to you, so you're not separating me from yourself. When you make a right decision to live in purity, he's not, he, he's not hating you because you didn't make that decision. He's heartbroken because there's just a wedge between you and him now. We as Christians need to be equipped with this understanding so we don't bring condemnation to our friends and our family. But we can bring hope and understanding that there's a wedge that's being drawn and it's relationship that the Father is after. That character is not about brownie points. It's not about being a goody two-shoes. It's about drawing close to the heart of the Father. I'm passionate. Love Jesus. The core of character is directly related to being especially close with God, to understanding that it is about relationship with the Father and not the things that he can do or get for us. The core of character is knowing that when we do what God has asked us to, we are especially close to him, that his presence, we can never be shaken, that in his ways, his ways lead us to life found in him. When we choose our ways, we're choosing the foundation built on sand. We cannot expect to be surprised when our house falls over. There's, there's a Bible app that I love for the kids. It's from Version, And we, we read a Bible story every night, and the boys get to alternate choosing the stories. And depending upon how many times you read them, you get stars. Huh, Bennett? We get a lot of stars for reading those stories. And, and one of the ones that Archer keeps choosing right now is this one with the, the, the foundation on the sand or foundation on the rock. And I love the little graphic that it shows because, like, there's one wave comes and the house disappears. It's like, it's epic. Like, this house just disappears. But how many of you know that it's what it's like? And it's not just faith in God. It's walking out in character that will build your house on the foundation. This is not nice wishes. This is doing the hard yards. This is saying no when it hurts, even when it hurts. This is the heart of God. Life found in him. We cannot expect to be surprised when our house falls over. Character is not a nice add-on. Character is not waiting in lines all day. If character is what you are made up of, it is so important to learn from these brothers whose trap we can so easily fall into either way. Hear this. This is just the, the big nugget that I feel like God dropped in my spirit for this morning. Our character is our testimony of who God is more than anything else. What you are shouts so loudly in my ears that I cannot hear what you say. Character is where theology and your beliefs are truly put on display. But understanding the core of character is to know that it's about intimacy with God. Will you just stand with me? Can I just pray for you this morning?
Our heart's desire is that we would come to know the Father and express his love in the world around us. Father, I just pray this morning, would you, would you reveal your, the truth in this morning's word, Father God? Would you shine a light when we've, we've either stepped too far into the younger son mentality or too far into the older son mentality? Lord, let us be free of those shackles, Jesus. Let us be free of the condemnation that comes with both of those things. Father, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But he says, go and sin no more. Father, we want to walk in the understanding and the core and the center of what you've called us to. Lord, we know that we're not here to follow a set of rules, but we're here to find intimacy with you. Lord, let there be nothing that drives a wedge between us and you. Father, let not our expert opinions drive a wedge between us and you. Father, let not us uh, deciding that we only live once be a drive between, a wedge between us and you, Father. Lord, may we be a people that are never shaken. May Lane Park Church be a church that is never shaken. Because we're walking out in the, in the core of character, Father. We understand better that it's not just about waiting in lines, but there's other ways. There's other things, there's deeper truths that are essential. Father, open our eyes this morning. Lord, we bless your mighty name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.